Which does Rick Berman love more? A scantily clad woman or the cave sets that Star Trek Voyagers used in almost every other episode <laughs> to this point? Mm-hmm. This is um this is a tremendous amount of cave it's sets. It's a matter usage. of saving money. It's a matter of saving money. Fewer the more times you use the cave set, the cheaper it is, and the fewer pieces of clothing they wear. So it's cheaper on the costuming budget. <laughs> Not the kind of cave I was thinking about, gentlemen. We got to use this thing in every other episode here. They they use the cave set every episode. It feels like they're always in some much, some yeah. asteroid that yeah. needs to be explored from the inside. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Not mm-hmm. a huge part of this episode, but it's like I don't I don't feel the You'd other think shows. They would at least. You think they would at least paint it or something? Yeah, like or put spray it down, put torches in it, like dress it up a little yeah. bit. It's just, it's the same. Well, rock to wall. be fair, to be fair, they did cover it with uh, Halloween store spider webbing. Yeah, that, that one, one time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it's it's getting a lot of a lot of usage. Anyway, here we are. This episode is called Faces. It is the 14th episode of the first season of Star Trek Voyager. Came out on May the 8th, 1995. Almost almost on the day that we're recording this, sort of. That would have been nice, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Teleplay goes to <laughs> Kenneth Biller. Story credit goes to Jonathan Glasner and Kenneth Biller. Directed by Weinrich Kolbe in Universe Date 48784.2, which is 2371. In this one called Faces the Vidians capture Bolana Torres and Splitter into two people. One fully Klingon and one fully human. So, how many scenes do they have together? <laughs> they don't do anything quite like that, quite as masturbatory as that. They uh, they split Bolana Torres in half. I'm trying to think of the best way to start this one off. Well, we get the return of the Vidians, I guess, or Vidians, or mm-hmm. Vidians, or however you want to count. This episode was much better mm-hmm. than their first appearance. I'll start off by saying that. Yes, I would also like to start off by saying I find their makeup deeply disturbing. <laughs> in a good way? It sounds like it's a good way. I, but. No, no, it's not in a good way. It's in a, it's just, very, it's so gross. And it's not like, I don't find it pleasant to look at. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and when he, I never thought I would watch an episode of Star Trek. Well, I mean, maybe it's a harbinger of, of where we are now with what they put in Star Trek, but I never expected to see an episode of Star Trek where someone turns around and has a freshly skinned human face <laughs> stapled onto their their alien <clears throat> goop monster head. Um, yeah, I find them very disturbing, and I don't like them. Uh and I, I know that they come back a couple times, yeah. I think, and I'm not looking forward to it again. I thought this one, I thought this was better because it captured, it was much more effective at capturing the sort of like gnawing terror of what their, their situation is supposed to be. Like in the first one, mm-hmm. they had that weird sequence where they chased him into the asteroid in the ship and there was like a hall of mirrors sequence, you know, and it's like, this, right. is, not, this is not really great. So they had the idea that they were kidnapping people and cutting them up and using their body parts, but you never... You never saw it. And then at the end, they were pretty pathetic, actually. Like they were, I think the show was trying to make them sympathetic, but they were explaining why they do Mm -hmm. this and like they have this disease and everyone should feel bad. This one is much more that they are just kind of, um, they're cruel and rotting and they have no sense of any kind of empathy towards anyone that, that they come across and they want to cut up or use the slave labor or stuff like that. They're just stacking the deck against the Vidians, I guess would be the way to describe it. Um, 
Yeah. Um, they also, uh, <clears throat> I, do they go in at all into their culture or anything like that in the last episode? Cause they definitely don't hear and not that I really need it cause that's not what the story is about, but I, I found it, I was trying to think back, not that I remember their first appearance that well anyway, but yep. I was trying to think back if there was any talk about it. Cause if not, they are surprisingly one note i guess i think they i think they set them up basically as kind of similar to the cardassians in that we didn't always used to be this way we we used to be a a peaceful Mm -hmm. society that like focused on the arts and making love and now we got this disease and now all we do is hunt people down to cut them up and put their faces on our faces so i think that that's their story i'll say that the weakness of the vidians so far or vidians or however you want to pronounce it I don't know. I think the characters pronounce it both ways in the episode. I think it actually ties into um, the weakness of this episode as well, which I I like this one, but I I thought that it had one kind of semi-substantial problem is that um, I think in both the Vidian plot and the Bolana plot, it it felt in a weird way like I needed more backstory to ground it somehow. And I don't know Mm -hmm. how fair that is because Star Trek never of this era never really does that. But at the same time, I think Bolanda's story is a little bit more obvious. It's, it was, I was, I walked away from it going, I wish they had kind of established Bolanda's inner turmoil a little bit more strongly leading up to this point where this doesn't feel so strange and kind of like, like I understand it. I, I grok what the point is here and what they're trying to say. And I, I think it's actually a pretty clever, interesting idea of what they've done, but I never really, I don't know if this is one of those episodes that needs to happen like a season or two from now. It's like, you need to know the character a little bit sure. better for it to, to land. And the Vidians are just a minor example of that too, where I feel like th- I really love their thing in this episode, but I walked away being kind of unimpressed by the main villain, even though like the the main villains moment is when he reveals that he's wearing a skin face. Right. But it's not, it's not character based. It's not like you're like, you're amazed that this character has fallen to that level. It's more just the shock of doing that is his thing. And I feel that they never really, they never really got into the Vidians either in a way that they never really got into how Bolana feels before this split happens. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, even there, <clears throat> the reason he's doing it is so he could look hot for Klingon Bolana. Yeah, she has like, a which is voracious like sexual appetite, <laughs> <laughs> licking the caramel out of her. Can tongue. I be on set for this one, guys? <laughs> um, yeah, which I think it was. It, it it reminded me of like at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where Leatherface puts on his um his like formal wear face yep. which has like the rouge and the the blue eye makeup <laughs> and the lipstick and stuff um yeah <clears throat> i think for me the problem i also like this one um i think i think the problem for me is that the balana stuff and the vidian stuff gets about the same amount of time and uh, same amount of exploration. And I think one of them, preferably the Bellana stuff, needs more. Like, I, I, I would have liked more time spent with the two Bellanas. Um, to I think to get into what you're talking about. I, I, I know what you're saying where it's like <clears throat> they've never really established at all that um, Bellana has this 
inner conflict about, you know, uh, the two, two parts of her heritage and stuff, which you can tell, I mean, you can tell it never comes up because when she does bring it up, uh, of course, Tom Paris equates racial prejudice with a bad haircut. Yeah. He does. So that's <laughs> how much he thinks that it matters. <clears throat> um, but I, I think it'd be just I think as painful if <laughs> just, yeah. it stings just as bad. <laughs> I look forward to that. I look uh, forward to Tom Paris and, and season three of Star Trek Picard, where he's like, "I got a haircut once. <laughs> My life was completely shattered by that horrible bowl cut in fourth grade." No, hearing 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 Belana Torres talk about uh, being uh, uh, the uh, struggle growing up as as the daughter of two uh, warring races and having Captain White Boy. Tom Paris compare it to a bad haircut is like it just was like I was on Twitter. That's what Twitter is like. Yep. Um but yeah, I wish I wish there would had been more time spent with uh Torres's stuff and with the two Torres's interacting with each other cuz I cuz once they got together, not only is it a great I didn't check. I have no reason to assume it's not her playing this her playing both roles, right? Yep. <clears throat> great performance. Fantastic performance. I thought she was great. Um because she manages to play both characters differently and both characters differently from Bellana Torres. Yeah, like that, that's the key. Regular Bellana Torres. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I actually don't like the Klingon performance all that much. To me, her I thought her human was really good and a really effective sort of nervous yeah. version mm-hmm. of Bellana. I thought that her Klingon came across in a lot of ways. It was like it was a person playing a Klingon. And it's not like some of the more fam- the some of the well, better, more established yeah. Klingons. <laughs> But and, and not, I know I know what you're saying. Not, but, not in a way that like yes. Martok and Gowron kind of feel like real people. She felt like sure. I'm an actress yeah. playing a Klingon in this episode, and not that it was bad. I think she settled down once she was off that table. I thought she was awful when she was on the table, but when she got in the cave, I thought it was a little bit better than that. Um, but I yeah, did it, like her human Buana. Yeah, it did. Her Klingon did strike me as though she watched star trek generations or some of the other episodes with the lady klingons in it and she was like okay i know how to do this yeah which i mean i don't blame her she's doing it once i don't know if you need to spend a week method acting a klingon performance no it's not a returning (laughs) all you need to do is figure out yeah all you need to do is figure out how to enunciate through those teeth and you're you're pretty much there that's that's half the role frankly you have Mm -hmm. to figure out how to enunciate through those teeth which then creates the klingon speech pattern yeah the klingon (laughs) so it works pretty well (laughs) but i um, um what I liked about it, and I did like this storyline. I thought it was good. I, I didn't think maybe it was executed to a T in the in the sense that I mm-hmm. thought it could carry the episode. I was this is one of those weird ones where I liked the episode, but it was also kind of a little bit bored by it. Like it was a, it was a watch checking episode. It's like how much longer is this yeah. going to happen? And I, I think I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say once they get into. Team America and Chakotay and sending him down there. I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? There's so much more interesting stuff going on here. We don't need someone microwaving the Chakotay action figure and sending him down to the Vidian asteroid. Yeah. That, that the, like the resolution of it is not interesting. The, the best part of it to me is that I did like the fact that it's an episode that takes the Klingons and manages to move them away from their literal what they are as a literal thing 
and turn them more into this is a kind of personality trait that is in anybody yeah. and that like the two halves of her are a nice little metaphor for the various personalities or various like emotions that a person can feel as they're going through life or whatever. And it wasn't, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was nice to move away from the Klingons as the sort of like Shakespearean rowdy warrior bunch that all talk like that and have sort of a, a silliness to them and turn it into more of a, they have a personality trait that in moderation has some positives to it and it has some negatives, but the Balana human side also has some positives and it has some negatives. But when you combine these things, it turns out to be an okay situation. I, I, I liked the, um, I like the symbolism of it. I thought it was neat for a Star Trek episode, a fairly clever way to use the Klingons. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure when they first show the split, if I liked it because I, I liked what they did with the Klingon half. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then the human half is like a complete, it's like data turned on the emotion chip and, and just turns into a, a cowering yeah. person. That's kind of what happened. And I mean, <clears throat> I understand it because she is feeling emotions that she probably hasn't felt before. And so once they get into it and they kind of establish that stuff, I was like, okay. But for when it first started, I was like, why did they they just turn the human into like a frail the frail woman who's afraid of everything. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was glad that it was more of a matter of um, her being overwhelmed by stuff and getting used to it than it was just that the human half of her is just weak. Yeah, it's just sort of it's driving the metaphor that the the Klingon side is the aggressive side of somebody and the right. um, the sort of meek, careful side would be translated into what the humans are here i mean i guess in the sense that if you stripped out everything that made you gung-ho it probably would be fairly frightening for the human half it's like the part that actually puts up a fight Mm -hmm. is no longer there and uh beyond the 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 fact that you have to write them differently i think that it makes sense to me i think um the the place that it doesn't it's weird because it ends up going to a place where I really like the ending in a way that I don't feel yeah, is deserved yeah. for the episode that came before it in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like I, And I think that the ending ties into if I knew more about Bolana going into this episode, I would find the ending more effective than it is. I, I, I don't know what that yeah. is. I just... I understand what they're driving at and what they think the point is and how they want to portray this as a... Um, recognizing what your true character is... It's just that, as you were saying, I don't think that they've ever really established in an overt way that Bolana has this inner turmoil when it, it logically makes sense that she does, but I don't really know if I, I feel like I would be better suited to have this some, somehow established a little bit more than it actually was in the 10 or 14 episodes leading up to it. Well, even even so, I think they just wasted their cold open, frankly. Um, because it was a very enterprise esque cold open where it was like 30 seconds. And, uh, honestly, I wasn't even sure what I was looking at when they did it. Um, the cold open is just the the reveal of Klingon Bolana and someone says Bolana wake up or something like that. And then it cuts to the credits. Right. Yeah. And and I, I, watching that, I was like, uh, I mean, I guess I was just confused more than anything else. Um, it wasn't a super compelling mystery. It wasn't a, a beat that I thought was laid out and worked well enough for a cold open, especially one that quickly. Yeah. Um, 
So I wonder if I think you probably could have just done the the usual episodic cheat where you do your cold open like maybe before their mission or something and you have some conversation where she voices whatever the thematic thrust yep. of the episode is. Yep. And then you jump in later and you've got a little bit oh at least they touched on it before they start, you know, tearing her apart literally. Yeah. Yeah. I and it's funny the whole episode in my head while well, I was trying to I was trying to remember what original Bolana looks like in a lot of ways I was like how much of a mishmash is she and I think she's fairly effective because I honestly I have to think and remember and remind myself that she's half Klingon like her her appearance is different enough as a regular character that I'm not like Klingon I see a Klingon right there it, it sure it's almost yeah. like she's a new species right that's just a, a type of aggressive species so. Mm. In some ways, the cold open is a little bit surprising there because you go like, oh, right, Balana's half Klingon. I guess that makes sense. Like, I, I have to remind myself because it's, it's not immediately obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do think um, she her normal look is unique enough that I think it is easy to forget sometimes that she is half Klingon. I agree with I agree totally that she looks almost like she's a new species. Yeah. Um, and but it all it also does look like they gave her a little bit more forehead, but with the same haircut as human Bolana. Yes, because um, it always it always feels like it's her hair is kind of hanging awkwardly off of whatever the <laughs> the front piece is there. <laughs> Speaking of hair, what's going on? Janeway's got the old hair again. Is this was this like an earlier produced episode that just came out later or something? It might have been. I haven't looked into the history of it. The haircut the haircuts never lie, as Tom Paris would say. Um, and it just, it's, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, <clears throat> it might've been, although I don't know why at this point it feels like uh, the Vidians would come back in. That all feels very natural to me and everything like that. I'll look it up as we're going through, but, um, I think, I thought this one was, I thought this one was good but missing some of that special sauce for some reason. I don't yeah. really know what it is because yeah, I even I, I really like the concept of it. Um, I just feel, and it's not anything against Voyager's episodic stuff. It's just, it's, it's one of those weird examples of, I understand what they're doing as I'm watching it. It gets to the end and I'm like, this is a pretty effective ending. I kind of like this ending, but then it's over and I go, hmm. I don't know what I don't know what was missing right there, but that just didn't hit me in the right way that I feel that this episode really should have. And I think it's um I think it's just as you're saying, maybe the Vidians were too and maybe it's not even the Vidians, but it's like the cave scenes and stuff. You know, this is taking up ten minutes mm-hmm. of screen time that I think could be devoted to a better sequence. Like um do the the two Bolanas don't have do they share a personal anecdote? They don't, right? I don't think they share a memory of something that happened and no. they discuss it with each other. And I, I feel that that's what the episode is kind of built to be. It's supposed to be that scene where the two of them are eating the fried rat that, that, that they made and they're talking about something in their past that yeah. 
they have the differing of, of opinions on, and they come to some kind of hashing out moment there, which symbolically represents Boana becoming comfortable with herself at that point, too. And this one, it doesn't have it because it has to waste all the time with the Vidians and Chakotay and going down into the caves and all that stuff, and Harry Kim talking about the walls are moving and things, and it's just not enough time spent on the Torah's sisters. <laughs> Yeah, I think what you're saying would be a great scene. I think that would that would do a lot of heavy lifting for uh <clears throat> excuse me, for what we're talking about. I also think uh I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't even try to draw any parallels or or make any um allusions to the idea of identity as far as the Vidians are a species who are literally stealing identities and so like what makes them Vidian or what you know what I mean like right. When you're splitting someone who is <clears throat> conflicted over their identity into two separate identities, then that obviously brings up those ideas of, well, what is the true identity? Are they one? Can they be one without the other? Which they eventually talk about. Yeah. But um, they're thematic opposites because the, like, the Vidians combine <clears throat> while they're tearing Bolana apart, you know, it's that kind of a thing. Right. But, you know, while, they, while they're touching on that stuff with Bolana, you know, your villain is this race that is made up of many different people and many different um races and and x y and z and and uh i'm i'm just i was a little surprised that they didn't delve into that stuff at all i would i man if you just jettison everything with fucking chakotay in it and <laughs> it would give you some time to get into much more interesting stuff i i'm willing to why do they love doing this in star trek so much just so cavalierly changing what people look like it's the it's the one in this entire franchise it's like the bridge too far for me mm, yeah. they can in an episode in an episode where you've got a alien race <clears throat> who exists because they keep stealing skin and flesh and body parts to replenish their own that's being killed by uh, a super virus and you've also they also have technology that allows them to extract the, the Klingon genome, thus splitting her into two separate people. The thing that I have a problem with conceptually is that they can just, <clears throat> the holographic doctor on Voyager can just make him into one of these Vidian people. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just every time they do it, I just roll my eyes. I'm like, why do they keep doing this? It's so, it just seems like the most invi unnecessarily invasive procedure <laughs> well they never i guess they never really get into what they've done i guess you have to assume it because it's the doctor but you could just be some fancy makeup i suppose that the doctor's done here it's too. well yeah either way either way <laughs> i all every time they do it it's extremely distracting and it made me it made me think of enterprise uh when they did it because of that one episode where they do it with reed and turn him into a sulaban but oh, like yeah. Yeah. I feel like when they've done it previously like on um TNG I think they do it do, do they turn somebody into a Romulan or something on TNG Yeah Troy turns into a Romulan Yeah when they do it when they do it on TNG I feel like it's it's got a little bit of weight to it and uh is there an episode of Deep Space 9 where Kira has to masquerade as a Cardassian yeah. yeah I think I I think I even had problem with it in that episode I can't remember exactly mm -hmm. but it's just a, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just that's the the bridge too far for me in Star Trek is when they do this because it always kind of rings silly to me. Yeah, and uh, 
it, it seems like an unnecessary way to resolve the story. Like I was watching this Chicote thing, just thinking like, why couldn't they have done like a, you know, Paris sees where they they're storing the com badges or something, and then mm-hmm. he steals the com badge, and you know, so he can click in and be like, "We need you to beam us up, but we can't beam you up because we have to get through this force field." So then they have to get through the force field, but you don't have to send fucking goop face down there to <laughs> for for two scenes where they it's where Chicote. they break their way out. <laughs> he has to tell everybody who he is. This is my favorite. Yes. He goes, "It's me, Chicote." Um, yeah, it's like I just think there's so many more interesting ways you could get out of the situation without doing something like that. Yeah, I um, I think the Vidian makeup is weird because of how gross it is, is what sort of elevates it beyond just putting in like Romulan bumps on your head and you're like, I'm a Romulan right, now. Right. But the, the Vidians are a very disturbing, in like um, detailed amount of makeup and stuff like that. Especially... Especially in this episode, if you're if you're gonna do that, to do that and not have Chakotay have like a line or something about, or have like a short little back and forth about identity, or you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the whole point of the episode, and it's just so cavalierly thrown around that it doesn't feel like it's another instance where you could lean into the theme a little bit and say something kind of interesting, but. You know they choose they choose not to. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they. I wouldn't say that the show is intentionally doing this, but it does have a sort of identity question going around it, and in, in terms of like, what does any of this mean? When um, when Chicote is down there and he's talking to Paris, and the other video comes up and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he says, "I'm talking to this guy," and he goes, "I don't recognize you." He goes, "Well, I just had my." face reshaped this morning and he goes okay (laughs) he just walks off but there's a whole sense of like how do you recognize anybody and i and i just i thought that was funny that the vidians bought that as an acceptable excuse like oh that makes sense i guess you did have your face reshaped this morning and so i wouldn't recognize you uh but there is a there is a place to to play in that playground i think on a narrative level what you're talking about with paris is that it's it's a it's a script that's struggling to involve the cast and it involves everybody, but yeah. some people are just superfluous in what they're doing. Like Harry Kim is talking about techno babble. Tuvok just goes down to the cave with Chicote. Paris should logically be the one who helps everybody escape because he's down there and he would be able to do it. But he's Paris doesn't actually, when you think about it, have much of anything to do in this. He talks to Bolani, he talks to Chicote, but he doesn't instigate anything. Yeah, and they uh they also don't really take any time to pour one out for uh Ensign uh Durst, Durst. There, or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. Yeah. He dies pretty quick. He had he had more screen time in yeah. the other episode, which he was a tertiary character in and he <laughs> But I I do I do appreciate his um maybe false or misplaced confidence when he's like, Don't worry about it, I'll handle it, Tom and then the next scene they're like, I took his fucking head off and I cut his head. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. They just want to talk to me. <laughs> what is this? Thing? I want to see the. Is like we I don't know who say, the I bad guys the, are or something. He has some line about like yeah. the bad guys don't win or something like that. I, don't know. I I just want to see the other side of that sequence where he's not actually dead, but he's had his face replaced with the other guy's face, and he has to now go and live with that guy's Lip. family. <laughs> Have a. Uh, no, no, there's no, there's a uh, a face off 
episode built into this, but they just killed that guy, unfortunately. He's a recurring yeah. Star Trek actor. He's been in a bunch that, of episodes. That whole sequel, I, I I don't know if that's why it was so disturbing to me. Like that scene where he turns around and he's got Durst's face on was more disturbing to me than like most horror movies I've seen. <laughs> it's, it's like the it's part in Silence moment. of the Lambs. Yeah. Yeah. The part in Silence of the Lambs where Lecter breaks out and he's put by putting the guy's face on his own face. Yeah. No problem. But when he turns around and he's got like that thing just like stapled <laughs> to his fucking face. It's like, don't aren't I beautiful now, Biabalana? It's just <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really disturbing. It's too bad because I really that moment to me captures the Vidians in a way that I think that you want to capture them is like that is their sure, that's their sure. thing. That that's what's so horrifying about them. Because it's you know, it was tough in the the episode they're like they took Neelix's lungs and you you can't see it you know it's like what the hell does that mean <laughs> I like, totally I, forgot about I, that. I, I don't know what what the what the lungs would look like yeah. and what they would take it but literally taking someone's face and putting it on your own is a much more grotesque and horrific thing face. to do. I, face off. <laughs> Belana didn't tell him that he could she could eat a peach for hours. Um, <laughs> I think that Belana's got a brand new bag. The the problem with it, I think that guy's name is like Su, Sumar or Sulan or something like that. I wish he was a more compelling character. Like, I, and I think that that's what he's yeah. those those two those two things. I, all I could think about was that a really great DS Nine episode where Kira is kidnapped by the Cardassian, the darkness and the light, or something like that, where he is disfigured and he's kidnapped Kira and he wants her to admit to all the terrorist acts that she did against the Cardassians. Um, yep. And I feel that there's room for him, but I, I think through two episodes, the show is struggling to understand what makes the Vidians compelling as a characterization of a species. There's nothing really like empathetic that you can glom onto as to understanding what they're right. doing because yeah. they're pretty um, egregious and pretty like disturbing. But it it doesn't have a sort of like the Cardassians are taken over by you know the the government the military coup took over Cardassia and now there's a, there's all the famine though it doesn't have the Klingon sense of honor it doesn't have the Romulan sort of like uh, secrecy and like uh, fighting against logic and stuff like that it doesn't even have the Borg's drive of trying to attain perfection through means um, they're just a weird group that wants to harvest your organs and there's not enough pathos to them i don't think unfortunately yeah yeah and, and you know i i forget in the last episode you see like their uh you know biological lab or something i think but in this one they're pretty interchangeable as far as just there's one guy who's doing science stuff and then the rest of them are asshole guards yeah Although they try to tell us that the the phage makes them weak and they can't do anything, they look fine. All of them are like walking around yeah. hitting people with guns and stuff like that, and it's it's it, you don't get the sense that they are physically weakened, sort of like you know wheelchair bound, basically or whatever. That they have some yeah. other means of controlling people. They look like normal aliens, so undersells it or undercuts. Yeah, it. I wish I wish they had done something more interesting in that regard as to like what they are like in this situation instead of it just being like, all right, well this time they got weird guns <clears throat> that kind of look like giant tasers. So I guess that makes them different. 
and uh, you know they all got goop faces and stuff. So I guess that makes them different. But other than that, they're just they're not really they don't present that much different as far as yeah action uh, or how they move or what they're. <clears throat> they're just um, into slave labor. That's like they're not yeah, even weird like, in, in any in any sense like that. Yeah. Right. It's just it's pretty faceless, literally. Mm. Um, kind of a template for this kind of thing where it's like, yeah, they've just got a normal prisoner prisoner camp and a normal uh, slave labor thing that's just a bunch of random people swinging at rocks, yeah, picking up giant rocks, rocks around. <laughs> That's my favorite. I know that you you talk about Star Trek uh, turning people into different aliens is a bridge too far. For me, it's that technology and mining has not progressed whatsoever. It's just people <laughs> carrying rocks. <laughs> They've got the Vidians have technology that allows you to extract a genome and yeah. recreate a, a flesh person. and blood person using that DNA, but they still need to use pickaxes to smack <laughs> rocks to get whatever the fuck they're trying to find. Yep. <clears throat> that's my bridge too far well what about this is it is it too undercutting of what the so the the, the vidians or whatever have this horrific aspect to them where they're grotesque and sort of disturbing and make your stomach turn what if their technology of stealing other uh, bodies and body parts for them was convincing enough that they can basically become changelings like they can perfectly blend in sure. with other people because their technology of stealing this stuff is good enough. I don't know if that makes them too much like the changelings from DS9, mm-hmm. but it at least gives them a little yeah. bit of something that like you can have wolf and sheep's clothing type episodes with them where you're not sure who they are. And I think that that plays into all this identity idea is like, can I trust you because I don't know what you are underneath and, and things like that. But mm-hmm. Again, yeah. they might just be too similar to the chain things in that way. <clears throat> I would dump this quickly if it were me. Like I, I, I appreciate the creepiness of it <clears throat> as a concept. I, I do think that their design could have been a little bit better refined. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if it were me, I would be like, all right, we've done two episodes where they are goop monsters. Let's do an episode where they they develop technology that makes the gives them flawless skin right and then of course the thing is that breaks and so you've got you know starts falling off and shit or something something built into that and then you can do another one later where it's like all right they've got this technology that gives them flaw not only does it give them flawless skin but it can copy people so then you've got like the beginning where you send your muck monster guy into the chamber and you open the chamber and the smoke comes out and, and Chakotay walks out. Yeah. And it's like, now we can get all the things we need from the, you know, that kind of shit. Like, I, I think there's more interest there in pushing what they can do forward uh, and uh, <clears throat> playing with it a bit. Then um, I don't know how many times you can go back to the same well of like, yeah, they steal organs and they steal people's faces and shit. So yeah, I'd, it's They're still doing it. I, I'd almost like we we've talked before about how it doesn't make sense that Voyager is constantly running into um aliens that you think that they would be getting through kind of quickly. Like the Vidians are an example yeah. and the uh, the other ones, whatever the I forget the other guys' names, but the Klingon other looking guys. I um I, Kazon. Kazon. I know in this one they are intrigued by Klingon DNA, but I wonder if like 
What if the Vidians just found that humans were like the perfect match for them? And that's why they were pursuing right. sure. Voyager because it's like, these are, this is the species we've been hunting for this whole time and we need to yeah. get them before they get away. And at least it at least drives a little bit of why they would constantly keep running into them as they're being pursued by them. And I, I think that might add something to it. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be interesting. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I I will say I did really enjoy. I thought the performance of the guy playing the Vidian doctor when he shoots Klingon Balana was really good cuz it was a it was a very believable like, "Oh, <laughs> damn it." Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. It was like, oh, "Shit, shit." Yeah, she uh is the effect funny in that too? Is does he sort of he misses right, and she jumps into the laser blast kind of? I thought that yeah. I thought it was a weird. Yeah. He doesn't just dead eye hit her in the chest. She like has to jump into the beam or something. I thought it was a funny yes. setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's um he's a good actor. Obviously, it's that guy playing Durst in the Alien, um, of course, which makes sense. Oh, is it? I was yeah. I was wondering if that's what they were doing. Yeah. I, I was surprised. So the reason that I thought it might not have been was because the Durst face seemed like so much of a an application on top. Yeah, the, the makeup's really that, good in that in that root way. Yeah. So I thought I was thinking like, well, if it was really him, you would think it would be just like more of just clearly his face, but it does feel like it's placed Stuck on, on top of everything else. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's good. I didn't I didn't pick that up. It's the same in um I think like the Robocop movies do a good job of making it look like it's a face on something, you know, like it, it's not, it's just you know, his face, but I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, when I watched RoboCop, um, it did not occur to me that that's what it was yeah. because I didn't, I didn't understand the specificity of what was going on in RoboCop. <clears throat> I thought it was just, Oh, it's a guy, his head, and he's got like robot parts yeah. <laughs> attached to him. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize until much later that RoboCop is a robot with a human face stretched over it. Yeah. It is not a human Those with robot pins. parts. It is a robot. It on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And when you realize that, it becomes a lot more disturbing as to what is going on. Yep. Unnecessary unnecessary detail done by that. That is not necessary. Have you ever seen um, the movie Popcorn? It's a Canadian horror movie from like the, I think the early 90s, maybe no. late 80s, early 90s. There's uh, the villain in it. I can't remember for the life of me what the hell he does like what his purpose is but like i think he can switch faces and they like attach in the back and he can like pull them off and there's a great bit towards the end where he's in the middle of taking his face off and somebody like surprises him and so they do this whole scene where his face is like it's his face, but then the whole wraparound back part is just like flapping, flapping. off the side of his head. <laughs> it's really gross. It's it's very well done. Before we, yeah, well, we'll touch on the Bolana stuff. I think we talked about it enough. We'll go to final thoughts at this point. So, thanks everybody for listening to the show today. Hope you enjoyed the content. If you did enjoy it, you can go to patreon.com slash thepenskafel. Best way to support the show, a couple dollars a month, you get extra podcasts, extra stuff. We're covering all the Star Trek, the new Star Treks, the Strange New World, and Picards are over there on Patreon. I'm claiming Amanda do the uh, second string of Stephen King, and then there's some mm-hmm. badass stuff that pops up occasionally. Tons of stuff over on patreon.com slash thepenskafel. So I give a special thank you as well 
to our captain tier supporters over on Patreon. And special thanks go to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Andrew Sherlock, Joint Mango, Christian Pouch, Cal Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean Bradley, Brendan Howell, Bradley Killens, Vault 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell Oates, Stephen Minton, Darth Moss, Gage 28, Derek Stajak, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Poindexter G, Barry Wallace, Jamie Crow, Captain Brazix, Eric Avila, Jakey's Gamer, William Scheisler, Nick the Rat, J- Rahan Jaffer, Grapple John Zorn, Zane Majors, Olivia Pardot, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunters, EWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchas and James McLennan, Tommy Tango, Jonas Tudix, Mustai, Disbrother, Admiral Nakamura, Edmark Starr, Chris McLaughlin, Royo, Jeremy Boudreau, J-Man, Alec DeWolf, the <laughs> Undiscovered Mugato, Robbie Duffield, Will Clay, Atanga Udom, Artorius, and Zalen Maru. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show. We greatly it appreciate was, uh, it. It was great that we got the 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 chef from The Little Mermaid in there to read that yeah, name. Yeah, which is Rene Arbogenois, right? So we might as well bring is it Is it really? Yeah. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, now we'll go to... Does he sing the song, too? Yes, he sings the song. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yep. We'll have to do that as a Patreon special. <laughs> just <laughs> just <have laughs> all the animated shows that have had a Star Trek character in it. Um, which would be just be the uh, the Gargoyles animated series, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody. So we go to patron comments now. If you're a $5 and up patron, you get to leave upcoming thoughts about upcoming episodes when we read them. So I'm going to move this window over here just like this. And here comes the first one. Let me, let me, let me, I'm living on the edge. Whenever I minimize by clicking the close box in the upper right, that feels like, uh, that feels like danger to me. Norman Buckwald <laughs> says, Faces, this is actually an interesting episode in further developing the Vidian race and the villain of this episode, Mad Scientist, and how he takes on the face of the redshirt ensign, ensign is creepy. At the same time, the whole creating two Bolanas was too obvious. I'd rather see Bolana working out her Klingon and human selves more metaphorically than literally. Two and a half redshirt faces out of five. James McLennan says, The Vidians get a facelift, pun intended, in this one that heightens their menace and gives Roxanne Dawson a chance to really stretch in one of those dual roles that Truck loves. The main Vidian also gives a great performance here, a real standout for season one. Five somewhat obvious split-screen effects out of five. I actually thought the split-screen was pretty good. I didn't think it was... uh, It didn't stand out as much as I thought it would. No, I think maybe the weakest is the transporter scene when she's dying at the very end and she's laying yeah. there. They have to do some cutting to make that work. But um, yeah, and I think that that, that scene kind of ties into um, the sort of the weakness in general of the Bolana stuff is that I wasn't really moved by the death of the other half of Bolana yeah. in a way that I thought I should have. I thought the ending was better, but her dying felt semi-obvious in a way that it had to go that yeah. way. So I don't know. Eric McGowan says, this is one of my favorite episodes from the season. Bolana's DNA splitting into two selves isn't realistic, but it's a decent metaphor that lets the character explore her two sides. Mainly though, I love how insanely creepy this one is. The Vidian wearing Durst's face is the stuff of nightmares. Five out of five. Jonas says, faces, Roxanne Dawson almost got to work all day without Klingon makeup. Now we can take specific genes out of a people specific specific genes out of a person and just the right kind assortment and amount of genes to create the perfect and complete ethnic identity we're approaching a science that is essentially magic good drama an interesting adaptation of tos is the enemy within which is also the name of a great rush song 3.5 out of 5 uh that kid ben says at least we know what inspired scott snyder's version of joker two prisoners out of five (laughs) 
Latte Librarian says, Faces, while the acting left something to be desired, this was a nice character story for Bolana. Too bad about all the other prisoners left behind. Poor Durst didn't deserve to go out like that. Hilarious how Chakotay listened to Bolana say she was destined to always be fighting with herself and then just walked away without saying a word. Guess he hit his emotional labor quota for the day. Three skin grafts out of five. Aaron Million says, Voyages take on the enemy within, except that no dogs were harmed in the filming of this one. Good performance by Roxanne Dawson here and very important to the Torah's character development. Unfortunately, the ending stinks. It was like nobody cared about what she had endured. Three split in half Torahses out of five. People don't like the ending. Would you say here. that? Uh, yeah. I, I like I, the I ending. I thought the ending was right. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I thought the last scene was really good. Yes. I think the last scene is what really carries away that I like the human performance better than the Klingon performance because it, it actually yeah. has to carry this like the serious aspect of what the episode is about. It's just yeah. it's it's weird because I think it's very effective and I understand it, but it feels like a very unfortunate example of of telling but not showing. You know, that card like yes. cuz she's yeah. talking about stuff that we don't really know. But right. they're doing a great job at it, but it's still stuff that you're like, I wish I had kind of I had more felt this than having the need for you to come out and say it to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I What you said earlier about the, the last scene working but not really su- being supported by the rest of the episode, I think I think that what, what you're saying there and what I'm saying are all of kind of the same piece where it's like I think that scene works better if there was more time spent actually showing this stuff between the two of them yeah um yeah. but yeah even i i thought i think i like what she says i think the yeah the, the dialogue and her performance is good but i yeah i think it could be have been supported better by uh a bit more exploration and action yeah involving that stuff in the in the rest of the episode and again like the the klingon dying should be sadder to make that ending feel deserved in some way i don't <clears throat> i i think that the Kling, I find the Klingon performance just so so Klingon-y that it doesn't feel like a real person anymore at that point. Where sure, the human sure. character feels real to me, the Klingon doesn't feel that way. And I don't know, with the metaphor they're working in, I don't know how you fix that problem, really. The Klingon kind of has to be that way yeah. for it to make sense. But The Bob, real strange thing about the ending is when she gets back to the ship and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, no, this is no problem. You'll be, you'll be fine in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Just your DNA has stopped synth, uh, synthesizing proteins, but this is, I'll just mix you back together with this blender here. Yeah. Uh, big, Bob J. Uh, Coaster, I think, Coester. Uh, Bob is an old, longtime patron. I should probably learn how to pronounce his name. Faces, Voyager is strangely good at horror, and this is one of the best. Chilling. And I love Roxanne Dawson's performance as the pure halves. Five face metaphors out of five. Has there been another horror episode in Voyager that we've seen um, to this point, would you say? I don't think so. I think so. there's been a couple that are kind of creepy. I don't know if there's any. I can't remember if there's any been straight up horror. but Yeah, because at least to this, I know we've seen the entire thing of Enterprise, but I still think Enterprise did it better. Braga clearly mm-hmm. likes uh, horror stuff, I think, and it, it kind of seeps into this, this stuff. But I didn't mind. I, I like the Vidians. um 
what they do here. Matt Ross says, a darker body horror-like story that's similar to TOS's The Enemies Within. I think that this has some of the best doubles and shadow and split-screen effects. Durst says himself in The Vidian Scientist, I felt was well done, as I couldn't really tell it was the same actor due to his voice changing, and I think his ripped face looks awesome and disturbing, proving that the Vidians should have been the main antagonists of the show. Although Bolana's stilted Klingon talk I attribute to being in pain as a character, and still enjoyed the split of her two personalities. The fact that Chakotay was able to slip in and fake out the Vidians by saying it was a new graft always makes me chuckle and that the aliens did not think of id tags or some sort of uh of some sort to avoid this type of subterfuge for ripped faces out of five yeah they don't uh the vidians don't act as a species that is accustomed to not recognizing each other all the time if that's part of their thing right yeah you know, it's really a compliment, though, because I still get carded every time I go to the club. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 35, but I've got the face of an 18-year-old, so they just keep, they never let me in. They're, um, they're kind of similar to the aliens from Insurrection, Star Trek, the aging aliens. Yes. It's, it's the same yeah. thing. And this came out, when did this, <laughs> this came out before Insurrection. Yeah, so. Do you have... Do you have like a chart behind you of when all, I have all the, the Star Trek? I have out? the movie posters and it has the dates on them. So I'm like, all right, this oh, okay. is so first contact. Is <laughs> like, have you just been scrawling dates on the wall behind you? Brandon Braga is just yeah sitting in the back. He listens and chimes in on the podcast. I turn and see what he says. <laughs> I'm just I'm one notching, of the, uh, uh, notching lines in the wall to see how many episodes of Star Trek we have left, and then we'll. Do we oh, that's it. so cute! Oh, you've been tracking your your kids' growth on the wall. Oh no! Oh, I'm sorry. Those are just Star Trek episode release dates. This uh, this podcast I listen to called With Gorley and Rust. One of their running jokes is that Will Smith is one of their producers, and yep. they'll have conversations with him. And the joke is that he's shy; he just doesn't like to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> they do they do a good job with it you, you don't you don't take some credit for things like that benjamin espinoza says dawson does some incredible work here i found both her roles convincing and i liked how the two halves made a better whole they're really stretching believability with the medical science is there anything the doctor can't fix the vidians are truly horrifying villains at once sympathetic and evil incarnate guys let's stay away from the caves how about it never leads to anything pleasant three out of five like if they're if they can't make coffee without it shutting down half the ship, yeah. But they can turn Chakotay into a passable Vidian muck monster, and also synthesize his clothes. Yeah, maybe they don't need to preserve energy as badly as they th- they have said. <clears throat> Agreed, one hundred percent. I thought the focus on Tuvok replicating clothing was a weird touch to be like, you did a really great right. job, Tuvok, replicating yeah. this. <laughs> it just felt like a detail that I would assume that he would just do perfectly anyway. I didn't need... Bringing up his skill level as a tailor is just a weird point to make. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Changeling. A lot of weird kind of side Tuvok stuff with the the clothing and also the soup. The soup, yeah. Tuvok, yeah. Tuvok is weird in this episode. He's... um. He's not important, but he feels important. He's like doing everything, but he's not important to the episode at all. Right. Uh, another, and just that's the only Neelix thing. They don't have any idea of what to do with Neelix, right? He's there, nope. and they're just like, I nope. don't know. I don't know what this character is supposed to do. 
He doesn't know anything. He can't make soup. Changeling. The episode which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of three mid-30-somethings, in particular <laughs> Belana Torres and her invalid crew, crewmate, Tom Paris. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of Federation history, the Vidian Chainsaw Massacre. This episode was dumb, but a fun dumb, like putting flashlights on your wrists. <laughs> Functional. No, cool. Very. Three voracious sexual appetites out of five. I would have uh I would have given more credit to that comment if um they he had gotten a cameo of John Larroquette to read it. Yeah, I, I botched the the reading. I, I was I thought it was like unsolved <laughs> mysteries for some reason at the very start. So. Cal Barrett says Faces, this episode requires a significant buy-in and acceptance of the premise, but if you do, it's a rewarding episode and one of my favorites of the season. We do get good insights into the conflict within Balana, the show's unsung hero, as well as some of the crazy body horror that the Vidians demand. It's a great showing for Dawson when she finally gets to use when she finally gets used to the teeth halfway through the episode with that classic Klingon over enunciation over enunciation and her leaving more pauses than Shatner. I would have cut the Chicote subplot entirely because it takes away from Bolana's actions and I'm already sick of that damn cave set. For oh hey, it's Don's neighbor from Mad Men season six out of five. It is him. John Hamm has sex with that guy's wife. Point X to G says, faces. So there's some stuff you have to get past on this episode, mainly Klingon Balana adopting Klingon speech style and talking about honor. But Dawson does an amazing job on this. The two Balanas are distinct from each other and they both uh, seem and both seem to have some parts of regular Bolana in them. We should have known Durst was a dead man as soon as they said he was there with the two main characters. Also interesting that the same actor played Durst and the Vidian scientist. Woodrow, Chakotay's speechlessly awkward reaction to Bolana's species dysphoria is very relatable. Bolana looks bad in half Klingon makeup, good in full Klingon makeup, and really good in no makeup. After rescuing herself, human Bolana looked as though she was just about to make out with Klingon Bolana, and then she fainted. Damn. I would give a score, but there's no time. It makes my review an honorable one. Ah. The death. The undiscovered Mugato. <laughs> Faces. An episode where an alien peels the face off a Starfleet chump and wears it in an attempt to seduce a full Klingon Bolana to give up her body and... It's boring? It's boring. I watched this episode over three nights and I'll never get those nights back. I was paying more attention to the set and wondering how the Vidians came up with the rebar, just like our human rebar. Two peaches I could eat for hours out of five. Nice. We got another peaches reference. Nice. Very good. Two more. Royo says, supposedly Roxanne Dawson's performance was so convincing that she literally fooled her own mother into thinking another actress played the Klingon half. Unfortunately for the episode, splitting a character into two kind of breaks the Vidians if they have that ability. I mean, why bother attacking ships for organs when they can split people into two? Brandon Braga yeah. got his claim to fame in TNG writing the mind screw episodes, and such an episode like this would have been better served in the mind where things don't have to make sense. Still, being worked to death in a labor camp before being murdered for your organs and then to have someone tear your face off and wear it like Hannibal Lecter does cements the Vidians as formidable and memorable Star Trek villains. Frankly, I prefer the dynamic between the Klingon Torres and human Torres more than the dynamic between Evil Kirk and uh, Social Justice Warrior Kirk from Enemy Within. Four <laughs> out of five. Last comment. Brandon Hell says, Get used to comic Neelix scenes in the mess hall at the start of episodes. Well acted by Dawson. I can't get past my that's not quite possible barrier. Why does Klingon Balana speak with a pause between each word? 
full blood Klingons don't do that. I like the creepiness of it, though. Three Durst faces out of five. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about faces. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash file. Clay, here we go. Mm. We're now mm. up to our rating and our personal rating here. This one's a tough one for me. I liked it, mm. but it wasn't a great it wasn't a great episode. That seems obvious, but it wasn't. Um, I think this is a top five for the season for me. I think like it's good enough to get up there. I think it's memorable. I like the Vidian mm. stuff. I like Bolana's story, but it wasn't. Um, <clears throat> at the same time, I'm of the thing of like, I don't think I would show this to anybody. Really? I don't think this right. is one that you have to watch. And I don't think it's strong enough to absorb it. <laughs> You know, not even in the sense. I, re- I really like the way that you phrase that. You're like, I mean, I like it, but you know, I wouldn't like show it to anybody. I wouldn't <laughs> tell anyone. Same way I feel about my body. Um, yeah, yeah, I just so I think I'm going to give it a three, but I liked it. Yeah. Like it's not. I don't know. It's hemming and hawing about it, but I, I think I liked it more than a three, but I didn't like it as much as a four. So it's in some weird space between those yeah. two. Yeah. I think I agree. I was going to say a high three because I think it's a, a really interesting premise that they don't really land. Um, well, I mean, it's not that they don't land it, but they, I guess they don't do enough with it for me. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think the performances are really good. I think the idea in general is good. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit too slathered with, with stuff that I – that brings these episodes down like the Chicote stuff and uh you know the generic minor crew and say you know it's 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 like it it reminded me of an enterprise episode a bit just because it was like there's a good kernel of an idea in there but there's a lot of fat on it that feels like it's um kind of generic star trek fat and not anything that was like really considered yeah, as far as the episode, the story they were telling. Um, so yeah, I would give it. A, I would give it a high three, high three for potential. Yeah, a couple of funny moments to me. What feels very enterprisey is the crew being um, with a random group of aliens in a slave labor camp. For some reason, that feels yes. like it describes yeah. a lot of enterprise <laughs> episodes. Yeah, and I don't even know yeah. how frequently it happened, but that feels really enterprisey in how they do that. And also, how did no one ask that other? minor do you know neelix right because he's the same species yes, as that yeah. guy <laughs> right <laughs> great great question yeah because i don't i don't even know if they've identified what neelix's species is maybe that's why tom paris didn't think to ask but i was if i was tom paris would be like hey i've met one of you before do you do you know neelix you look just like him except skinnier yeah i don't know that's it yeah it's like it's like you know when you go to a a big school like umass amherst or something it's like oh my cousin goes there do you know chris it's like do. dude there's like ten thousand people at this school <laughs> i do know chris chris from chris from so do you know donnie from boston um <laughs> that's it i guess we're done we'll both give it threes although it was a decent a decent enough episode that i enjoyed um last question before we go out because we're coming up a little bit short mm is uh I sort of I viscerally feel Voyager's techno babble scenes. Do you feel them the same way or 
Do you think that Voyager does techno babble uniquely to the other series at this point? What do you mean by viscerally feel them? When they are describing the like how the caves are moving and it's Janeway, mm-hmm. Tuvok, and Kim standing around that console talking about it, it yep. it really feels I go, they're gonna do a lot of techno babble to explain what's going on here, and they do. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm just forgetting the other series doing it so obviously, but to me it, it feels really it feels like Voyager stamps out scenes where they're going to have the characters really talk heavily about the sci-fi setup of what's going on here in a yeah. way that it doesn't feel as like free-flowing as some of the other scenes did where someone would mention something, but I wasn't, I wasn't so distracted by the fact of, oh, they're all talking about this right now. Yeah, I have noticed that. Um, it, it, they, it's not as bad as it gets in the future, <clears throat> excuse me but it does it is a little bit of a forerunner to that thing that i hate where it's like two characters bond over the fact that they share the same techno babble speech yeah. you know uh they like understand they did the that point the first that episode. each of them are making yeah. about the science yeah. yeah they did that in the first episode with uh janeway and and or i don't know if it was the first one an early episode with janeway and, and torres yeah and i actually liked it there because those two were kind of they're both scientists or whatever and it kind of worked it's a character for me moment there. but yeah yeah, character mode. But yeah, I I like the stuff in this one in particular. The stuff they're talking about doesn't fucking matter. Like it, it's yeah. it doesn't really all they're all they're do is doing is explaining at length why they can't just go get them. And ultimately, it's like I don't really care. It I yeah. if you had just said. Captain, we can't beam them out because there's a force field. Can we get through the force field? We can try, and like that's would be enough for me. Um, I think it's. I think what Voyager man- does. Sorry, I think sorry. what Voyager does is like in a, in a different series. I feel that the cave scene where they're discussing about what's happening with the caves happens as the characters are in the cave being confronted with this weird hall of mirrors thing that they're running into. Voyager does frequently, the characters are on the bridge talking to each other in a circle about what the situation is, as opposed to like going into it and then analyzing it. They do it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not of the, it's not of the moment where they are experiencing it and trying to explain it. They're explaining it because it is a, just a, like a buffer thing or something. I don't even really know how I would describe it. It's just exposition. It's exposition that you don't really even see a lot of the times, you know? It's yeah. It's I don't know if they think they need to let, prime the audience for what's about to happen or something. They're like, We're gonna go down there, we're not gonna be able to find out what's going on because the caves are moving and everyone goes, Oh, okay, that makes sense. But I, I feel it could be more organically written into the script as opposed to just this like record screech where Janeway goes like, Tell me, Ensign Kim, what the hell does this mean? And then they all talk about what they're right. what they think. Well, about. I do remember I do remember in TNG, there being some scenes like that, especially with Picard, where he's he's like, "Data, tell me what's going on." And then Data goes on at length, and he goes, "Right, Riker, tell me what that means." <laughs> and I think that that's, that's why my being... favorite detail from TNG is how little Picard under even Picard understands the shit that they talk about on that show. Just just needs options. Just tell me what my options yeah, are, yeah. and that's why that's why I wonder if I'm being unfair. Am I just burnt out on that? franchise aspect where i don't want to see that stuff happen anymore but it it does i'd be interested to be proven uh 
wrong or to be shown like why I'm not being fair to it because I, I just feel like Voyager does it differently for some reason. So people can let us know. I don't I I haven't found it to be distracting yet. And I know other people talk about it as though it becomes something that is distracting, the amount of techno babble they have. Yeah. But as of right now, it has not really stood out to me as as a negative. I think mainly because I kind of check out a little bit when they do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I've I've never seen at least as we've been watching this show, I've never seen a scene where I've kind of not paid super close attention to what they're saying, and it at all impacted my understanding of the episode. Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We'll see how it changes going forward. All right, that's it. Thanks yeah. everybody. Thank you for listening. I give it a three. Clay gives it a three. That's faces. Patreon.com slash the file. If you want to support the show, go there and do it. You get all this modern Star Trek stuff. We're up to strange new worlds right now. We're talking about it. Pike, Spock, Akiva Goldsman. One. Everything, everything that you want. Everything you want of it. Listener Tark uh, sent me a, an interesting review about it, and we'll see how this goes. It has some has some interesting tidbits about what this, this season is up to. How many episodes are mm. in Strange New Worlds season? Do we know? I think it's 10. Is it 10 as well? Good. I think so. Yeah, I saw one of the reviews that I, someone on the Discord posted I was reading, and they said that they had seen the first half of the season, which I think was five five episodes. Okay. All right. Well, join us at Patreon to hear what we're talking about over there. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, thank you all for checking out Rotten Horror Picture Show. Where Amanda and I talk about horror movies off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. And as Wes said on Patreon, we're currently going through the second string of Stephen King in May. We are doing, I spoke incorrectly. I think, I believe I said Cujo was May, but I believe Dark Half is May, hmm. um, which is a movie I've never seen. So, and I don't even know the, st- I'm, I'm not even familiar with the story. So I'm curious to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh badass podcast we're into badass beyond covering batman beyond um and it's also uh serendipitously lining up with the release of sean's new book which is uh his take on batman beyond his new comic that says take on batman beyond so we've been talking a bit about that in and out as we go so mm-hmm. check it all out patreon all right guys i think that's it Hope you're enjoying the coverage of Voyager. We'll be back with the next episode. There's only two left at this point. I think Jatrell wow. is the next one. Jatrell. Yeah, Jatrell. And then Learning Curve is the finale. So there's only two. So Jatrell is next. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, <clears throat> hope you guys have a good one. We'll see you later. <laughs>